don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. Got nothing to do with the technology whatsoever. It's all about politics and power. We were joined by two very special experts in blockchain and cryptocurrency. The first is Dylan Patney, who is messaging lead here at Social Chain. The second is Joshua Riddit, who is managing director at a company called Easy Crypto Hunter, which is basically a UK service provider for things like cryptocurrency mining, consulting, training, and accounting. Yes, the big question this week was, will Libra, Facebook's new cryptocurrency, actually get off the ground? It's been earmarked for a 2020 release, but there's been so much controversy surrounding its use cases from governments and politicians and many regulators around the world. We spoke to two experts to find out more and also got into a conversation about blockchain, what it is and the use cases for it on social. If you're not earning 3% at least interest on your money in your bank, you're actually losing money every single day. All this and more coming up. Why is Facebook launching a digital currency in Libra? I think just kind of taking it from an overarching perspective, if you look at kind of what the, the goal is with Libra, it's kind of to make banking available to everybody. Um, looking at like the kind of payments um, kind of whole sphere at the minute, um, payments around the world are really slow and kind of congested. So, for example, if I wanted to take £10,000 and move it to my cousin in the US, if I want to do that, it'd probably take me two to three days for that money to arrive at the minute. So with Libra, for example, I could just send that money in an instant. So it's kind of just solving that whole kind of problem at the minute. So, yeah, I think that's the whole reason why they're launching Josh, kind of digital currency. Would business. you agree with that? Nope. No, Bitcoin did that 10 years ago. So Libra is just commercializing what already exists. Um, Facebook and Zucks is a very, very smart man um, and he is a genius. And he understands that, first of all, he had to make a data company, which Facebook is. Let's not pretend it's a social media company. It's a data company. Next step is to make a finance company, which Libra will be the first step to do. Once he's done that, then Facebook will be in the best place to be a global distributor of any type of financial product. So mm. it's only a matter of time before Facebook will be the biggest insurance company in the world, um, as well as the biggest loan mortgage broker in the world. And that is really where the business will go um, as a global financial entity. Um, and there's a very realistic chance if Libra continues um, to get through and, and, you know, as the years go by that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg could probably be in control of one of the world's largest banks. So that's, yes and no is the answer to a, that question. A, a major point there. It, is, it all rides on this idea of if, and Dylan, I know you've been doing a bit of research on this as well, and sort of, you know, both of you probably have an opinion on this, but is it expected to launch in 2020? Can we actually see that happening? Is that realistic? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. I think mm. when it first came about, like they said they're going to launch in the first half of 2020. I think when they first announced it, it was a lot of like Silicon Valley arrogance in the way it came about. It was like, okay, we're coming out, we're launching a digital currency. It's going to happen with all the regulation and everything that's come up about it. I don't think it's going to launch in 2020. I think if it does, it'll be in limited countries. Um, but no, it's not going to be a full-scale launch in 2020. That's not so interesting because we were debating this the other day, weren't we? Mm. Theo is convinced that it's going to go ahead. Is, yeah. I don't think it will. I don't think it will. I sense too many problems on the horizon. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like PayPal have even dropped out now. Like They don't see it going ahead. I think yeah. with like all the kind of payment people involved, MasterCard, Visa, PayPal, I think their visions are in line with what they want to do. Mm. Um, but I think 
being in the financial industry, I think there's a lot of, it's fine line between regulation. So I don't think they want to be involved in all that kind of stuff mm. and involved in the scrutiny that's come along with Facebook and be kind of put under an umbrella with them. Be interesting to say, but considering that it uh, that it does go ahead, how does Facebook intend Libra to work? So like, how does it use blockchain technology? Because this is an area, obviously, like Theo says, Libra is so popularized now and everyone knows about it just from reading the news and headlines, but no one actually knows what the implications are. And specifically when it comes to blockchain technology, mm-hmm. how is that going to affect it? Well, there kind of aren't any implications. This is a thing that people get confused about with blockchain stuff like as we move to a blockchain-based system down the road where a lot of companies will use blockchain on their back end, it won't affect the user, me or you, any, in the fact that it will still function the same way that sending a payment does today. Mm. You're not going to go onto some special particular website. You don't need any special particular codes or logins. It's just it will form and function on the surface exactly the same way that everything does today. Mm. So it's kind of like... Um, a Tesla versus a, a normal combustion engine. Both are cars, both take you from A to B. The underlying technology behind them is fundamentally different and has different advantages, but mm. you still press go, press stop, drive it left and right. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much what it, what it's going to look like. So so what is it that's got governments in such a tiz about yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say, why is Facebook choosing blockchain then? Politics. It's got nothing to do with the technology whatsoever. It's all about politics and power. Um, so... In the world of cryptocurrency, you know, blockchain has existed neon 10 years now. Um, Bitcoin was around 2009. So this ability to send money internationally has existed for a good long time in, in the tech space. And there's now hundreds of other coins out there, about 2,000 different cryptocurrencies in the ecosystem. Um, not all of which are payment providers. The vast majority are not payment coins, which is mm. what people sometimes get confused. Mm-hmm. It would be much better if we called these cryptocurrencies crypto tokens or crypto shares which is I think it's called them digital assets yeah I think digital assets kind of, is a is a, is a yeah. good safe 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 word why, why is that well because bitcoin was the first coin so as a consequence of bitcoin being the first coin and it was a currency um all the other coins that came after it kind of inherited the name cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. even though a lot of them are nothing to do with payment whatsoever so ethereum's a really good example like a ther- one ethereum at the moment's worth maybe $200 somewhere around that mark at the moment now i can give you one ethereum and you can choose to accept it as equivalent of $200 worth of value but that's not inherently what it was designed to be able to do um, you know it's a, a platform in which other things are built on particularly a lot of smart contracts and mm. things of that nature so it, it's just interesting how people have kind of used it for different things and there's other coins out there that are completely nothing to do with payment whatsoever like medical coins and insurance mm. protocols and supply chain logistics and that's a whole different thing entirely so this argument around cryptocurrencies is a, is a broad spectrum of things so what what is really useful perhaps for us to get through and for the listeners to be able to understand is that there's a fundamental difference between blockchain technology, which is the cool underlying stuff, and cryptocurrencies or crypto tokens, digital assets that sit on top. And they're kind of more shares in businesses that use that technology um, and they're 
interdependence is completely separate. Mm. Dylan, did you agree with that? I mean, I, I know you mentioned that you kind of said that like, the whole kind of idea of moving payments around and sending cryptocurrency has always been there, but not at this kind of speed. I mean, man, on Bitcoin's like, if, you, if I was sending you a Bitcoin, it'd probably take like 12 hours or even like a day for me for it to kind of reach you. So the kind of speed of sending cryptocurrency hasn't always been there. I know like Ripple XRP kind of can do it in a couple of seconds and all that kind of stuff, but there's not many around there that can actually do that. So I think them introducing the idea of literally instant payments anywhere around the globe through WhatsApp Messenger, some of the mm. most used messaging applications, social applications full stop around the world is something that's quite huge, I think. Mm. That's an interesting point. What, 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 that, because, you know, essentially it is social, you know, when we think about Libra and people are going to be using it, like you said, on these WhatsApp and, and Messenger apps. Yeah. What are the implications, opportunities that lie there? What, what should brands and, you know, people in this space kind of know about Libra and what will soon be, you know, its applications on social media. I don't think there's anything like there in terms of implication for brands at the minute. There's no real space for them to enter. Maybe from when it, when it comes into like a commerce perspective, looking at the kind of like the WeChat kind of model at the minute, mm. like how they're kind of doing things. And I mean, I know like China are looking, they're looking to like launch like a state-backed cryptocurrency now, mm -hmm. which I'm guessing will be run through WeChat and Tencent and they're all their different kind of applications as well. So I think for brands, it'll just be looking at it from an e-commerce perspective and how they can kind of tie Libra in through that. I'm guessing it'll sit within the Facebook marketplace as well, like IG shopping when that kind of finally comes about. Mm -hmm. People will probably be able to pay for their stuff through Libra. Yeah. Facebook advertisers, maybe they'll be paying Facebook through Libra as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah will. Stuff like that. So yeah, I think this is how brands will kind of enter the Libra space. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think he's gonna. The, the whole point, Zucks is gonna make it mandatory. So mm. I'm the biggest advertising platform in the world. Haha, -ha, you can't advertise with me unless <laughs> you pay me in Libra. Mm. Um, and that, by definition, will give adoption. It's kind of got a bit of power to make to make that kind of happen. But yeah, yeah. In regards to brands, it's it, at the end of the day, it doesn't change anything. Mm. Like the brands, as long as the brands can use the platform, they don't care if they're paying in pounds, dollars, euros, yen, Libra. It doesn't make a difference to mm -hmm. them. What it does make a difference to is people like Zucks and Facebook, 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 it makes their... You may as well uh, call it Facebook. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Facebook, yeah. It, uh, it, it makes, it, it's all about the control and the influence that that has because mm -hmm. inevitably then it just means that they've got another massive ability to, to control things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a very, very powerful tool for such large mm -hmm. organizations. So practically, I don't think it's going to affect users or brands that much because the mechanisms and the practical inference of what you can get because yeah. you know the, yeah they've partnered with Lyft and they've partnered with Uber right whether I pay in pounds and pence whether I pay in dollars whether I pay in euros whether I pay in Libra I still get my taxi yeah it's not, this, it doesn't no, change right. and I want to ask, ask you about that because this sort of opens up another question that okay we're getting a bit deeper now but in terms of we've heard the term stable coin being thrown around and that it will Libra to work will have to attach itself to a currency and that exchange rate. And can you explain a bit more about that and what they mean by that? Yeah, this this is where it starts getting murky um, because it's advertised as a cryptocurrency, but yet it wants to play by normal monetary rules. Mm. And the, the biggest problem that, that we'll have on this podcast and the biggest problem that people in general have wrapping their head around cryptocurrency is it's very hard talking about cryptocurrency like you know, say bitcoin when i mean that not the other tokens but payment digital tokens as, as, a, as a overarch is that it's very difficult to explain what they are and their advantages when people's general understanding of our current financial system is so poor yeah no, That's right. the issue, because if we were to ask, you know, if all our listeners now could, you know, get everyone to put their hands in the air, you know, if I was to ask, okay, guys, 
who could explain to me what the fractional reserve banking system is? You know, there wouldn't be many hands in the air. Mm. But that's the fundamental thing which underpins every single one of our lives every day with our pounds and pence, dollars, euro, yen that the, the global markets operate on. So by definition, if you don't understand what fractional reserve banking is and you don't see the inherent flaws and negatives that come with that, it then makes it exceptionally difficult to talk about the solution to that in a lot of respects mm. with any merit. Um, and that's where then you're comparing this kind of basket of goods goes along more classical fiscal policy um, versus the cryptographic model and the free market economy of decentralized model where Bitcoin is. So they're two very, very different things. And to pull them apart and to explain them, you've kind of got to go a few steps backwards before you can go forwards. With that case, for the, for the benefits of our <laughs> listeners and, and for myself, I don't know about you, Eve, can you quickly explain what fractional reserve banking <laughs> well, is? Uh, is yeah, yeah, good luck. <laughs> I'm an expert. Yeah, good luck with that. So um, it's, it is it's quite complicated stuff. But again, this is something I'd encourage anyone that's got an interest in this stuff to, to go and look at. And it all starts to get quite murky and quite underground. And there's... This is one of the, there's that old kind of saying where if you want to know where the real power is, follow the money. Mm. And that's kind of where this all alludes to. But in, in a nutshell, what a lot of people don't realize is everyone goes, oh, well, I've got 10 quid in my pocket and 10 quid's worth 10 quid. So that's great, right? Like, because I can go and buy 10.99p cheeseburgers and have some change, right? Great. <laughs> it's like money, paper, cool. So, but what people don't understand is the origins of currency and where it came around and how it works. So, you know, way back in the day, you know, we were all farmers or whatever, and it used to be, I'll trade you three bags of potatoes for a sheep, mm. you know, and then that kind of got, we moved on past that. And then we had little gold and silver tokens. And then the gold and silver was a naturally traded resource, which had a value. And, you know, one gold was worth five silver coins and that was universally accepted. And then we kind of had this thing, you know, coins, the, the physical gold and silver, which is limited by physical resource on earth, was how we valued things. Mm. And then we moved forward to where we had cash, this reserve of, you know, because actually carrying around a big bag of gold is quite difficult to, mm. to do mm. physically, yeah. you know, if you get mugged on the road. So then we invented cash. And cash was basically, if you look at old banknotes, effectively, it was an IOU. Mm. You know, I promise to pay the bearer of, you know, so it was basically a paper version that you take from one bank to another bank that said, actually, at that bank, I've got 10 gold coins, I promise. Can I get them out here and it'll all be okay. Mm. It's an assurity. Isn't it was it? an assurity. Yeah. So there was, there wasn't, there's no intrinsic value in that paper. Um, it was just a promise of moving things around. So the promise or what that cash then meant it was backed against that physical gold and silver which mm. is what led to this thing which we had in the early 20s called the gold back standard mm. where 10 pounds in your pocket was backed against 10 pounds of gold in the bank of england yeah. by definition mm. um, and then you know the rabbit warren continues to go and go and go and ultimately we moved away from a gold back system mm. um, with america following not too long afterwards, the timescales kind of move away. So mm. where we are now is £10 in your pocket is not worth £10 of gold in the bank. Mm. Like £10 is not backed against anything. It, 10 quid is worth 10 quid because the government says so. Yeah. and It's interesting though because it answers that, you know, people say, why can't we just print more money? Yeah. Money's printed yeah. every day. But, but if it but is, that do. paper's like But the that's the thing. And this, is, like this is the problem. The other week, this, is the, this, is the, this is the problem. Like only last week, the US government printed billions of dollars. Mm. Like why now? does 10 pounds buy you way less than it did in 1950? Mm. You know, because you've got inflation, you've got hyperinflation. You know, the the, fra the fractional reserve system, it's controlled very strongly 
stringently in the West. Mm. But that same system, when it's not controlled to the same metrics, look what happened in Venezuela. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, people are literally bringing wheelbarrows to buy bread yeah. full of cash. And I think this is the danger of Facebook kind of attaching fiat currencies to yeah. their cryptocurrency because what yeah. happens when a, when, a, when a fiat, when a national currency just completely loses its value. Mm. I mean, like Turkish lira lost about 40, 50% of its value like last year or something, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What mm. happens when the US dollar loses like 40% of its value? Like yeah. apparently we're supposed to be on like the verge of a crazy recession at the minute. Yeah. yeah. Stock market's at an all-time high. Yeah. Property yeah. market's at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. It's due a massive yeah. pullback. And it, and it gets very deep as well. Like I'm going to start using the word allegedly a lot before I get uh, some interesting messages in the back of this. <laughs> Cease and desist. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, the, it really comes down to power and politics. That's what this is about. So allegedly, this is one of the reasons why the powers of the world moved in on Gaddafi mm. because he was making um, a South African-based gold-backed mm. coin, which would have been the most stable government regulated coin in the world because it was backed against their gold reserves and that was gaining a lot of um, notoriety in the African states and there was even talk of trading oil in that currency which would have obviously pulled the rug from under the US's feet so there's arguments to say you know there are some conspiracy-esque theories out there that Mm. dictate a lot of the troubles that we had with Gaddafi moving in and the whole dictatorship malarkey was effectively a mask to stop this type mm. of currency so being so parallels, parallels now, I guess, with, with, with Zuckerberg like, in a way that people are, yeah. he's, he's deemed as his monetary threat. And But with, with that in mind, how are regulators and governments going to allow this to happen? Well, that's the point. Like, <laughs> I if, just don't see what their incentive right, would be. Let, you let's just say just, no. Right, well, let's just say, let's just go down Conspiracy Avenue for a second and say that, you know, Gaddafi did have this coin and this was all the thing. Like, well, we didn't let him do that, did we? No. You know, he didn't end up coming out too well off the back of it. So, you know, ultimately, if the powers that be don't like what they don't want, then they have an awful lot of sway to make things go down a different path. Mm. So when it comes to things like this, the government, the American banks, the institutions, you know, it goes above that. What a lot of people don't realize is the big banks in America, the Bank of America, the Bank of England, are privately owned companies. People Mm. fail to understand this. (laughs) Um, People own the Bank of England. It's owned by people. It's not the government. Like mm. it's an interesting. Well, the Federal thing. Reserve is not government owned. It's just it's got no ties to the government. No, at all. it's owned by private individuals. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, once you start going down these rabbit holes, you start realizing that it all becomes about money. It all becomes about power. And if it's effectively like trying to kill your competition in some respects. Yeah. Mm. Like if you know another company sets up selling meat and potato pies down the street and you've got a meat and potato pie shop you're probably gonna be too impressed yeah you know so, so if you were so what's so what's the the advantages to the mastercards and the visas of this world separate from the ubers but mastercard and visa who do trade with currency who are you know synonymous with the way we spend money what do they gain from this and also as a sub question why has paypal been scared off do you think mm. so i think going into that i think so basically looking at the libra association when you join each, each person kind of invests around 10 million dollars i think it is to be a part of the libra association now what they get out of that that money goes into the libra reserve which is kind of where everyone's deposits kind of goes into um off the back of that facebook will invest that money into like a bunch of low risk assets not mentioned what it is they just said it's going to be invested into a lot of low risk assets off the back of that 
the interest off the back of that money will be going into kind of funding the Libra Reserve. So that'll be going into just funding the project, the growth, the research and development of the Libra Association. And also mm-hmm. the people involved will kind of re- just receive dividends off the back of what they've invested. So they've said um, a fully successful running network will kind of give people around 8.37 million year for whoever's involved in the Libra Association. Yeah, it's kind of a monetary to pay us. Yeah, it's kind of a monetary gain to be involved in the Libra Association. But off the back of that as well, it's kind of just like a bit of a first mover advantage, kind Mm. of kind of having it implemented across merchants in in physical stores as well, I guess. Just kind of having that. And what do you think scared PayPal off? Yeah, I was gonna say in the in the news just the last week as well, Visa and MasterCard potentially pulling out as well. So Mm. I guess can it work? Yeah, like Theo said, why are they being scared off and can it work without their support? Well because it all comes down to who's the big fish in the small pond. And as big as we think Visa and MasterCard are, they are absolute minnows when you start talking about the boys behind the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you don't want to start picking on the picking on the big kid. Mm. Um, and that seems to be a lot of what's happening. So at the end of the day, they have their own businesses yeah. to, to be running. Um, and although they thought, you know, initially I can understand them going, hey, Zucks is on this. It's going to be awesome because it's Facebook. Let's, you know, instead of worrying about all that stuff ourselves, hey, let's join up to it and actually we'll ride and we'll all go on the coattails together and it'll all be great and we'll have our own kind of crypto rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, if once the government start kicking up a fuss as they have done, they're probably thinking, oh, actually, this might not be Maybe a smooth ride. That, yeah. I don't want to be associated with something that's getting a bit of a kick in because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Visa operates within one of the most heavily regulated controlled sectors in the world. So all it takes is a couple of powers that be to start giving Visa and MasterCard a bit of grief Mm -hmm. and it could have some serious consequences to their business. So it's interesting to note that the people who are getting itchy feet are the payment providers Mm -hmm. because the people that are giving Facebook a hard time are the very people that control finance. Mm. Mm. But Facebook's not getting scared by that. They've said we're going to press ahead anyway if we can. Yeah, Um, because the beauty of it is is Facebook's thinking globally. So worst case scenario, and when we're talking about rollout, they'll just be like, all right, screw America, we're all out the rest of the world. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. Um, mm. So what will end up happening was, you know, there might be some smaller countries that give this a full green light. Like mm. there are a lot of countries that are very, very um, excited about blockchain and crypto. You know, uh, the Isle of Man is a big one over here. They've, you know, I've, I've been talking with their government ministers. They've got a lot of really exciting things on offer for companies like mine mm. in the blockchain space over in the Isle of Man. You've got places like Malta, where a lot of the cryptocurrency exchanges have moved to, and the government's totally embraced things yeah. there. So, is that because these are tax havens? What's, what's the kind of reason for that? Why have the Isle of Man sort of been so open to you know communicating with you on matters like that? Uh, because they're smart people, and it's <laughs> a case of um, you know they've they've got it's just pra- practical. Like they've got a small nation. There's not a lot of people over there. Mm. You know, it's in the Isle of Man's interest. Yeah to keep, you know, a lot of business flowing through that that island. Um, and they're also very savvy on new tech development sectors and want to be advantageous to welcome in those type of people in because it creates employment, it creates jobs and moves our economy forward. Mm. So, Dylan, I sense you had something to add. I think 
No, I, I completely agree with what you said. Just going back to your point as well about tax havens, like Libra itself is set up in Switzerland, which is known as like the kind of monetary haven around the world as yeah, well. So it's interesting they chose uh, Switzerland of all places. Yeah, but I know I completely agree. Like it makes total sense that they'd be looking at uh, global markets because even with a lot of other product launches that they're looking into, you know, they're looking at um, less developed countries, I guess, where their products will be more novel. Um, and more widely accepted. And I think this is just like the kind like of first stage regulated. of it as well. Like Calibra, like his whole thing, Calibra is like a, it's been thinking as a financial services kind mm -hmm. of product. So the wallet is just kind of the first stage of this. Mm. Like once more deposits kind of go into Libra and they gain more money. Insurance, yep. mortgages. Mm -hmm. Final, full financial services. I mean, WeChat's already doing that as well. They are, they're offering financial services yeah. to people on the app. So to the user, this is this is this is great, isn't and it? And this, this is why like... this is why banks are scared as well because they're just kind of taking away kind of custom from the banks. Get back down to. I want to quickly take another trip down Conspiracy Avenue, and I'm just wondering because because I, I keep thinking, would Facebook have run into this much trouble had it not been for uh, say scandals like Cambridge Analytica and the big data leaks and stuff like mm. that? Is this you know so to speak just a fuck you? You won't do whatever you want. I bet they wish they launched it like otherwise? two years ago. I bet I they think, wish they already I got know, out. They'd, they'd have been in the same trouble. The, right. They'd have been in the same trouble. The Cambridge Analytica stuff was people's data. So that pissed off a lot of people because it's our data. Yeah. So that's what the fuss was caused there. Mm. This is financial. And the data that was leaked was nothing to do with the fractional reserve or the fiscal reserve of the yeah. big American banks. Like, that was, they don't care. But this, this is playing in their world. So irrespective of whether they launched this two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, five years time, these are the people that are always going to be there because that's their world. Banking is their world. Have they met their match? Well, this is the yeah. That's, is, that's a big question. Seems, seems I mean, to be. The, within America, I I struggle to see how this will ever launch mm. in the way it's intended in America. Do you think, from a user perspective, like you said? Obviously, it was people's data that was stolen. They were really annoyed. But I guess there's a lack of education around the different types of data and the information that Facebook stores on you. And I think a lot of people hear, you know, personal information. Their mind jumps to things like credit card details, yep. you know, financial information. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a, a risk that people won't adopt Libra because there's a lack of trust now because of things like Cambridge? Um, probably not, because if people really cared that much, they wouldn't use Facebook. True. <laughs> that, that's what it comes down True. to. Like Seen it any, anyone that's like I, I really, I'm quite amazed by the whole Cambridge Analytica thing. Like people got upset because Facebook were following the stuff they did online. Well, duh. Yeah. Like, how was anyone unaware of that? Mm. Like, does anyone actually think they're going to give you a free login to a website that's a multi-billion-pound company, mm. and you're not going to give something in return? Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, perhaps my opinion slightly. You know, maybe I'm missing something, but I just, I can't really comprehend why people were so upset about it, only other than naivety of understanding what the digital age brings. Like you don't, it. like nothing is free. You know, you got to give something. And at the end of the day, a lot of people are happy to sacrifice, you know, them checking what you're buying on Facebook or what videos you're watching or what you're doing in, in exchange for the Say, like, services offered. Facebook, I think in particular, tends to waive the ethical side of things more than other big tech firms. So just recently, the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, said that, you know, Apple is never going to release their own cryptocurrency mm. because he doesn't believe morally that any company like that should have that kind of power. You know, he wants to leave it to the banks. Mm. So what does that tell us about Facebook being the only ones to sort of venture into that space? I was actually quite shocked by that, to be honest with you. I thought Facebook coming out and announcing they were going to launch a crypto would kind of open the floodgates so as to speak like mm. with all the corporate companies yeah. like the fang stocks for example 
it's like eliminating competition as yeah we say. exactly um so yeah i was a bit shocked by that but then again apple always kind of does take the good guy kind of does play the good guy card when it comes to stuff like this um especially like for example when they launched the new ios or the new iphone like i think it was email data or something like that like the, there's some kind of mm. software or technology within the new apple update mm. where yeah. you can't give your email to companies or something like that um but yeah i, I just feel they always kind of play the good cover right, yeah. they tend to wear the white hat don't they yeah, yeah they try and then they artificially nuke your phone through software updates you have to buy the <laughs> new one so i'm slightly less uh and we're back down conspiracy yeah, yeah yeah well that, that was that wasn't my so favorite street but yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, I think Tim coming out with stuff like that is ultimately, yeah, you just got to follow the money. Is that just his personal opinion or is he speaking of the CEO of a multi-billion dollar firm that has hundreds of billions of dollars worth of investment floating around and certain people that have been whispering his ear saying, actually, this is this, this is that, this is the other, like what's happened to Facebook stock price since the announcement of Libra? Has it been a good thing? Has it What's been a bad thing? What's happened to the Bitcoin thing? price since the year? You know, what, well, yeah, what, what has, has happened, happened to yeah. it? <laughs> well, it kind of surged straight off the back of it, but then it's kind of just fallen off a little bit recently. I think it hit high of $14,000. Yeah, 13763 I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, very exciting. Um, is Bitcoin volat volatile? Is it still volatile? Because I remember uh, a few news stories a while ago saying it was volatile, and I actually thought, well, if Bitcoin is so volatile, why, why does Facebook think it can sort of go on better, if you know what I mean? Well, this is the thing. Again, it's lack of education. Everybody goes, oh, Bitcoin's so volatile. You're just going to lose all your money. And it went <laughs> up and it went down. Ah, you're an idiot. Like, people just need to look at the flipping facts. Like, Bitcoin <laughs> has increased in value. If you look at the yearly low, the lowest price of Bitcoin, it's increased in value every single year for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then you get all these people that watch some YouTube videos and they're like, Haha, it went from $1,000 to $20,000. It's back down at $3,000 in 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> you lost all your money. I'm like, no, I made 300% in two years. <laughs> like, yeah, what, where else did I get that? Like, you know, and people just, so yeah, it is, it is hyper volatile in the short term, but we have never on this earth had an asset class that's increased by the statistics that Bitcoin has over the past time, in any time period ever. So mm. does it go up and down a lot? Yes. Should you put money into it that you that you need to put food on the table? Absolutely mm. not. But as an investment class, um, the, we haven't had anything that's been better mm. over a longer period of time. And did you say it's still going up despite Libra announcement? It's a bit choppy at the minute. Choppy. It's a bit choppy. Um, again, short again term. yeah, it's all short-term mm. price action. Yeah. Like for anyone investing in this space, just kind of put your money into it and just don't look at it again for like a year. That's what yeah. I'd recommend. The, the reason why we fell um, was more the announcement of backed, um, which is another thing, which is this where then Bitcoin gets really interested in the regulators in America because up until September 23rd, so just a few weeks ago, you know, two weeks ago since we filmed this now, um, Bitcoin was uh, classed as a non-regulated asset class. Mm. So regulated funds hedge funds, pensions, commercial investment houses, you know, all that big boy money in America and, you know, wherever around the world, you couldn't legally invest with regulated funds in a non-regulated asset class. Mm. Um, as a consequence of this, there's a company called ICE, which is the Intercontinental Exchanges. Again, one of these global super companies, very few people even know exist. Mm. Um, and they are effectively the people that own a lot of the world's global stock exchanges, similar to New York, London Stock Exchange, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Um, again, people don't realize every time a stock is transacted on there, someone's making money, um, and that will be that company. So they realized that the volume of cryptocurrency transactions was so high and increasing, they realized that's where the future of finance was potentially going. Um, so they span out a company called Bact, 
B-A-K-K-T is how it's spelled. And that now, from the 23rd, just gone, gives legally regulatory access um, for these markets at a custodial level. So now the big hedge funds, pensions, whatever, whatever, can, from this point forward, purchase vast amounts of Bitcoin for investment purposes. Do you see a future where we use cryptocurrencies primarily over regular currencies? Cryptocurrencies, no, because it's very speculative at the minute. I think things like backed becoming uh, coming into play, I think, does add a bit of clarity to things and maybe will. I do think cryptocurrencies eventually will level off and it'll become th- just uh, like the stock market. For example, when the internet bubble came about and stocks like Amazon and Apple were kind of floating on there, they were just as volatile as cryptocurrencies were. I mean, mm-hmm. Amazon went up to a high of like $99, I think it was, and then in 2000 it crashed down to $3 or something like that. This is the dot-com This, this is when the dot-com bubble the, uh, kind of bursted, yeah. Burst so about, imagine yeah. like the headlines back then, it must have been exactly similar to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, Amazon's dead. But look at it now, it's like worth over $1,500 yeah. or something like that. Ashes, but, but apart from that, it's, it's a lot more stable now as an asset versus like cryptocurrencies, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Josh? Yeah, no, I think it, I think it will. Um, I think it really depends on what you... Because what you have to understand is where we are. Like, the reality of it is, is the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons probably yet don't even exist in the cryptocurrency space. Mm. So the big players are still yet to The big players are probably still to emerge. So the reality of it is, is will we use cryptocurrency as a daily form of payment? Well, the reality of it is, is some people already do. Yeah. Like, that's possible. Like, I can go to Weatherspoons or to a bar or to... I can walk over the road anywhere in Manchester and go and spend any amount of money I want on a Bitcoin debit card today. That exists. You can buy your car, Lamborghini, Microsoft, Virgin, Whole Foods, all accept cryptocurrency payments. And that's only going to increase um, because what you also have to take into account here is other global entities. You know, like as we were saying before, as Dylan was saying before, we're on the verge of potentially another big global financial crash. Yeah. So this is what's really interesting. And this is why when people say, oh, we're going to have a hundred thousand, a million dollar Bitcoin, everyone thinks you, mm-hmm. you know, you're smoking something you shouldn't have been. <laughs> people don't take into account the other world factors are at play. Yeah. So where are we at the moment? Well, we've backs just come online. So now we've got regulatory access for the big, the big players. Mm. Um, so to put some numbers in perspective, if just 1% of globally invested regulatory funds moved into crypto, we'd have a $1 trillion market. Wow. Um, so these hedge funds, pension funds, global investment bodies are full of very, very smart people. Mm. And if they can foresee a recession coming and if they see some shaky times in the markets, what's their number one job? To preserve capital. Mm. So why then are we not going to have those people, now there's a mechanism to do so, move money into a non-geopolitical, non-regulatory body, Mm. non-connected, geopolitically free asset class? Interesting. But are those just the intelligent people? Like, uh, you know, I suppose the barometer would be sort of, my grand, for instance, would she, you know... Like your of... grand's got no chance. <laughs> right. she, she's gone. She's done. Josh, what, what would be the benefit of me using a Bitcoin debit card over my Visa debit card to buy, say, a car? Because it's cool as shit. <laughs> um, this no. is the thing, though. Like, it's just, it's, that's, that's the only aspect to it at the minute, that kind of cool factor. There's no... There's nothing else to it which, yeah, which makes me want to think that I'd want to pay with something for Bitcoin with Bitcoin. Well, there is and there's not. So the difference is this this is where it comes down to understanding the the, the system. So, you know, um, a lot of people ask us if we accept crypto as a business. Of course we do. Um, you know, I'm happy to fall on my own sword. If someone pays me £10,000 for one of my bits of kit and then the price of that coin halves the next day, good, good. 
Because you're playing a long-term game Well, because game one, I know it's going to be worth more than that in the future. And yeah. two, mm. because I can't, you know, nothing bugs me. I do a lot of this stuff on, you know, TV, radio, media, stage, whatever. You know, and I was once on stage with someone and they were selling a crypto book about what is crypto, what is Bitcoin, what is blockchain. And, and we were like, oh, so we're in a group of crypto enthusiasts where he's promoting his book. And then we were like, oh, what's your what's your wallet address? Or how much is one? I'll buy one. And he's like, oh, no, I only accept cash. I was like, get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? Yeah. You know, like, I just couldn't yeah, tolerate the hypocrisy. Yeah, like you guys aren't doing it, then Yeah, gonna... so I was like, look, I'll fall on my own sword. And obviously, like, I have to be sensible about it. I can't take every single payment in that mechanism, whatever. But, you know, there's there's there's... Yeah, you know, it needs to be something that people like myself are prepared to do because if I'm not, how can I expect anyone to do so? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But when it comes to that question of why would you do it, it goes the other way. So this is the interesting thing. There's there's um there's two worlds when it comes to crypto. You know, so a lot of people, you know, sometimes trade in crypto. There's actually two worlds or two psychological thoughts, two groups of people. So you get what on one hand is, is probably not the politest thing to say, but let's just for argument's sake call them the Bitcoin maximalists, the people that think <laughs> the whole world's going to run in Bitcoin and it's <laughs> going to be the currency and it's going to be absolutely the entire thing. Now, you know, I'm probably more to that side than on the other, um, but people that think Bitcoin's going to be everything and cash is going to eventually fizzle out and it's all going to be Bitcoin. So in that instance, people want to... Uh, people are trading, you know, you can buy a coin, sell a coin, whatever. They're not interested in the value of that in pounds and pence. They're interested in acquiring Satoshis, you know, the the pennies of Bitcoin effectively mm, is, yeah, is a yeah. Satoshi, the decimal points. So because I think Bitcoin's going to increase in value by such proportion, I'm only interested in acquiring as much as possible. Now, when you trade in, counterintuitively, that might mean there's circumstances where you sell your coins at a pounds and pence loss, mm. but you actually gain in Satoshis. Right. Um, so just up. to clarify, Satoshis are sort of like 0. 0. 0. 0. Yeah, 0. that's 0. Right. decimal yeah. point. Yeah, so Bitcoin so can be like half a penny points of a half. For every right. So there's eight decimal points to Bitcoin. Right. And the eighth decimal point is called one Satoshi. Sure. So the same way we've got pounds and pence and there's yeah. two zeros, yeah. you have Satoshis with eight zeros and one Satoshi is the last yeah. definition. This might be a really bad analogy, but is it like getting air miles for every money you spend? You get like something back, even if it's not money back. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so like if I bought something with a bit Bitcoin card, you're yeah. saying that even though I'm losing, you know, my money in pounds and pence, I'm gaining Satoshis. So that's the incentive. No, 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 no. You, uh, that, you, I'm, I didn't finish the other half. Sorry. It, let me know. It's my fault. You're get, get, getting ahead. No, no, no <laughs> stupid questions. So, so some people really want more Bitcoin, more Satoshis. Other people want more pounds and pence. So they will trade Bitcoin and jump in and out at a certain dollar value. Yeah. And they'll increase their pounds and pence and dollars, euros, yen, mm. whatever. Two different fields of thought. So the people that are on the field of thought of pounds and pence might then say, why the hell am I going to pay for anything in like Bitcoin? Like it's just stupid because like the price is all up and down. I can just use cash, like whatever, whatever. Mm. Or the Bitcoin maximalist rather would, would, would maybe have that kind of mindset. But on the other side, you've got to kind of balance it with what the other alternative is, which is cash. 
So cash, you know, £100 this year is going to be worth less by this time next year because mm. we have inflation and we have this fast reserve banking system. So the value of your pounds is constantly falling. Like a lot of people don't realise this. Like if inflation is running at about 2.8% in the country at the moment, that means if you're not earning 3% at least interest on your money in your bank, which no them. bank in the country is given at the moment, yeah. you're actually losing money every single day. Mm. So for every pound you have in the bank, you're losing money. So there's no such thing as saving in the UK. That's depressing. No, right? No. <laughs> so this is what people don't realize. Whereas the difference is, is historically speaking, every single year, what's happened to the price of Bitcoin? It's increased. Yeah. So when you say, why would you want to spend the Bitcoin for physical items? A lot of people will go, well, I'm not going to because it's going to be worth more and more next year. And I don't want to go and spend 10 quid on a, on a nice cocktail now if it's going to cost me 50 quid in two or three years time <laughs> so some people don't choose to but you you have to look at this historically and go over that 10 year period yeah. well there's people that spent 10 quid buying bitcoin and it now bought them drinks for life because mm. that 10 quid of bitcoin's now worth you know 50 60,000 pounds or whatever the stupid numbers may be but then again you're convincing you me wanna, to go and invest my money why would you want to spend 10 pound in bitcoin Again, when it could be worth something a hell of a lot more in the future, why would yeah. you want to go and... So, so some people just like, some people are happy with what they've got. Because yeah. you got to remember, some people spent a grand on Bitcoin five or six years ago, and that £1,000 now has turned into £100,000. Mm. Yeah. So they're yeah. well happy to go and buy a Lambo because they're like, sweet, cost me a grand. Like they just kind of tap out at that point because yeah. it depends upon people's personal risks, personal preferences. And, you know, some people don't think Bitcoin's going to be the next big thing in 10, 20 years time. But hell, I've made a hundred grand from one grand now. So rock and roll, you know, let's live yeah, it and let's enjoy it. So, so it really comes down to personal preference and personal yeah. outlook rather than any mechanic. It's horses for courses when it comes to money and any uh, sort of currency, I suppose, isn't it? But I can completely agree with you there. I want to know, um, before we get on to sort of use cases of uh, blockchain in social, um, how much of this theory that we're talking about applies to Libra? Is Libra something you can invest in? You know, if you're not a MasterCard, is it something that you can mine, that you can trade and share? What, what, what do we get to with that point? I don't think it's something that you can exactly invest in. Like you said, like it's going to be backed by fiat currencies. So yeah. whatever happens to them fiat currencies is going to happen to your Libra. So if you want to invest in it, be my guest. But for, for me, I don't think I'm going to be investing my money expecting a return mm. in the next year or so. I'd happily put my money in Bitcoin on the other on the other side of things. Mm. Is it a bit like that a- I'm going to be... Is it a bit like a, uh, a Habbo Hotel or one of those games, like a mobile game where, all right, £10 gets me 100 coins yeah, to the, do what I want? The, in the best way to think game. about Libra is like Boots points. Like you've got a quid on your card, you go and spend it at Boots. Yeah. Right? That's literally all yeah. it is. It's just only di- Boots, meaning right. like only Facebook properties. Right, only Facebook entities. Yeah, exactly. So that may might be Uber, that might be Lyft within the ecosystem, but it's effectively just a digital dollar for the boys club. Mm. Mm. Um, and it sounds like it could be a really cool boys club and, you know, there's definitely going to be some some mm. function and feature for it. But, yeah, that's really all it is. It's no more complex than an internal credit. Yeah. It sounds to me like that when you just pay for things with PayPal, but just less use cases for it, I guess. Yeah. Again, though, the interesting thing here, I'd be interested to know what all of you think as well, is I thought that with certain, uh, I don't want to name any specific uh, brands, but challenger accounts, these challenger banks, you know, where they have a cool, a really, really cool app. And I thought I'd never use that because, you know, I've got my debit card. I'm happy with that, you know, whatever. 
And, and now you're obsessed. You know, I'm a, there's the main thing that I use, I, I guess, because of the strength of the apps, you know. Oh, what do you mean? I can see what I've spent in mm. real time and it's convenient. updates and saving mechanisms. So, you know, face it seems to me like, yeah, exactly like you've said, the yeah, convenience I, I, plays. I imagine the, you'll have a Libra app and you'll be able to have a Libra account and you'll be able to, like, you know, do mm. stuff. And, very cool. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll all be, you know, and it'll, the thing is with that, it'll integrate very well. Mm -hmm. um, like those challenger banks have done quite well because they have a lot of integrations with other things, you know, yeah. and you can, they quite, the, the user interface is really good. Um, and they kind of work quite well with other companies. Mm. Like if you pay a certain company, like it brings up their little logo or like mm. just like silly yeah. little things like that that make it join the dots. Libra will look the same. It'll it'll be like in your Facebook app and you'll be like, ooh, like it's already there That's and it'll nice. be, yeah, so it's going to be easy for people. Um, picture you being able to track like everything you've bought on Instagram. Instagram is just like piling in the e-commerce features yeah. at the minute. Um, like so many new shopping tools and I guess like that's their main string of like that kind of revenue like retail Definitely. revenue anyway i guess we'll finish up on a, a sort of a, a conversation around blockchain now um in the, a few years ago mark zuckerberg he said he'd, he'd made it his personal mission to understand blockchain in greater detail outside of currency what do you see as being the use cases for social and my mind's going to security but your mind might be going elsewhere I think, yeah, I think decentralization, like, is the whole kind of good aspect for, like, having, like, a blockchain blockchain social platform, especially with everything that's gone on with Facebook, etc. Um, there is already a blockchain social platform out there, EOS. Have you heard that one? Voice, Steam, I think it's called. Steam's the big one. Mm. Isn't that Voice by EOS? Have you not heard that one? Yeah, it's with it's a bit community-based, It's community based, but Steam is mm -hmm. the, the main social yeah. platform. Interesting. Um, yeah, where you have Steam token. It's kind of a cross between Facebook, YouTube, and Reddit, yeah. where you can, like, upvote stuff and earn Steam credits, mm -hmm. and, you know, you can kind of get paid for voting and commenting and stuff. So, but, yeah, it's all about, as, as we were saying, that it's really all about the decentralization of data and the decentralization of control. Do you think people would know what on earth to do with the control over their data if we were handed if it was handed to us? Well, it worked pretty well till 1990, um, but it's really a case about what people get back. Like how many how many of our friends would, you know, if you could give away all of our data, which we do on Facebook, for example, all of that, what we do, what we like, what we don't like, what we do, whatever. Um, you know, what do you want back in exchange from that? You know, you could be very crude about it and be like, well, that's a date I give away on a first date on Tinder and I'm hoping she likes me. Mm. Or you could be like, actually, I don't want anyone knowing that type of personal stuff mm. and I'm happy not to get a £5 discount off a cinema ticket. Yeah. yeah. Like, where do people... It really depends upon how each individual draws that, you know, how do each individual value their own data. Yeah. But one of the things that is interesting is things like medical data. So there's a coin called MedicCoin, which is looking to put your... Um, personal medical data on the blockchain. At that point, what's interesting is then you own that data. So then if your personal data, medical data wants to be used for research purposes, there's an argument to say that then you can financially benefit from your data being used. Mm. So when people can start then to monetize their own personal data, um, you know, that would be it's interesting. The, you know, you see that happening with the data that we get from, from social media. So if I had control over all my behavioral data that, you know, is stored on Facebook and Instagram, what have you, if if I had that, then maybe I could choose to sell it at my own price to things like marketing agencies right. like us who want to, <laughs> yeah. who want to use yeah. that. Yeah, and that, that's really where a lot of it goes. You know, as, as you said in the beginning, Facebook is nothing but a data company. Mm. Um, and the value of record of information, you know, apparently when you kind of ag aggregate it all, the, mm. the value of data is much more that of, 
oil. It's interesting. You know, I wonder so. if that if that did happen, do you think many people would choose to do that? Because there's an argument to be made for the obviously like we use behavioral data like that and it's very valuable for even like massive companies which are tracking like beha- patterns over time and that that information is really important to have but i guess if people had control over it and maybe they were worried about privacy and they chose not to give it away would that put us like globally in a worse position for not really understanding people better <sighs> that's, a t- that's a tough question isn't it because it depends like some people really like to go Oh, me and my mates were talking about cat food, and then this cat food advert popped up. On Facebook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, how, how, how convenient! <laughs> you know, some people really like that. Other people don't, and I mm. don't know. Like, how do you sum up personal preference? I think the, the reality of it is, is it's been. If you'd have asked people ten years ago, if if we could say now, look, this is the amount of data that Facebook are going to capture about you, and we had an open discussion about that with people on a global level 10 years ago, people would have lost their minds. Mm. Mm. But because it's kind of just happened without people realizing it and everyone's just been like, meh. I think think people have just, and especially the next generation that's growing up, that just has grown up with a smartphone imprinted in the Mm. hand. I think there's going to be this, you know, it, it all gets a little bit black mirror. You know, yeah. because, I love that. because I love then that. <laughs> you know what happens then when we start having you know personal social ratings and yeah. you know you're only allowed mm. in the club if you've got a four star personality. <coughs> you know, <Cough> China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's uh, and these these things are starting to happen, and it's and it's if things start going down those roads, which really start to get interesting. And this is why ultimately I'm such a big advocate of crypto and blockchain in general because it 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 stops people being able to ultimately have the control mm. to, to to influence that if you really break down crypto and blockchain on a personal user level it's all about that individual having accountability and control for their own mm. finance data resources time yeah um and a lot of people really like that so as these bigger companies push for push more and more data you know it's only going to push more people into the crypto space mm. and i think in in conclusion that's really why libra is a great thing for the cryptocurrency system because a lot of people will look at it a lot of people will not like certain things about it and subsequently find what they are looking for mm. in the more traditional cryptocurrencies interesting who sense a revolution on the horizon mm-hmm. dylan you were nodding your head there in agreement we'll, we'll sort of finish off with you uh, what does it mean for messaging apps on a kind of you know top level i suppose you can say at the moment where we've got where they've already got encryption and is it the ease of payments? payments or is, is it you know again does it go beyond that as josh i think said? yeah i think i think it's just the ease of payments at the minute it's very limited in terms of the information of what they are going to do with all this kind of stuff but yeah i think payments is the main kind of thing for example i think whatsapp pays due to launch in india at the end of this year mm-hmm, but yeah. on the other side of that India looking to ban cryptocurrencies completely. So, like I said, Libra is probably not going to launch in India. It's probably not going to launch in China. It's not going to launch in Russia. I doubt it'll launch in China, yeah. Yeah, it's not going to launch in China. It's not going to launch in Russia. So, yeah, um, I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful. Well, yeah. I think we've had a well. We've covered, we've covered nearly every part of it. I now, know. I'm I literally learning yeah. so much about crypto now. I just, I, I I'm, guess, I'm half not, tempted not even to go. Started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maybe it's just how like moldable I am, but I'm literally tempted to go and Google Bitcoin right now and see if I can be getting more for my money and protect myself from the upcoming financial crash. 
Yeah, there's that. Or you could just come to me and buy a mining rig and print your own coins. Hey. <laughs> right, we'll wrap it up there, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, really thank interesting you. discussion. And um, I will say at the end of this, um, I don't know if you guys know about it, but we'll get you in there. We've got a Social Minds Facebook group now mm. uh, where a lot of uh, listeners are going in there and sort of grilling past guests and stuff and grilling us and sort of raising things. So, again, if you've heard anything, in this podcast that you want to find more about I'm sure Josh yeah get your questions in the group and we'll get people answering smashing absolutely thanks guys thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week this has been the Social Minds podcast with myself Theo Watts Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson 